Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You have heard that it was said to those of old. Jesus begins and ends today's gospel with that phrase. You have heard that it was said to those of old. In fact, Jesus intends for that phrase to be the frame for each of his lessons on anger, adultery, divorce, and giving a false witness. These lessons of Jesus address the fifth, sixth, and eighth commandments, or one might even say that the entire second table of the law is summarized here by Jesus. It seems that Jesus, as the embodiment of the first table of the law, is giving a living illustration to understanding the fulfillment of the second table of the law by that phrase, you have heard that it was said to those of old. And if that's just a bunch of theological jargon for you, I'll put it another way. This is Jesus preaching himself as the answer to how we love our neighbor. Jesus is preaching how truly awful sinners we are, and how often we are dismissive or even let ourselves off the hook for our sins. He wants us to see that we are people of the flesh, so that in him we can become spiritual people, as Paul writes in our epistle, that we can become God's fellow workers in the labor of love of God and neighbor. Jesus' first step in revealing our sinful uh, ways comes as he pulls back the curtain of our hearts to show that our outward appearances don't always match our inward motivations. He wants you and he wants me to see how lost we are without God's true love for things that are good and holy and righteous. So Jesus in his lessons today effectively says that if we've ever believed or lived like we've kept the law or thought that maybe we've kept the law most of the time, that we are sorely mistaken people, that we do not actually keep all of God's commandments. Another way to consider this reality is to reflect on the lies that we tell ourselves or others, or maybe we miss them. If you say you haven't murdered anyone, Jesus says that by anger and insult, you have. You say you haven't committed adultery. Jesus says that by lust and divorce, you have. You say you haven't seriously wronged anyone. Jesus says that by our being non-committal to a yes or no, according to the promises that we've made, that you have, in fact, given a false witness, or we have, as a people, lived as ones giving false witnesses and are not, in fact, honoring God. These are intentionally difficult words to hear from Jesus, that we have all failed to live as God has created and called us to be his faithful stewards of all living things and to live holy lives according to his word. By these standards, no one, no one, has kept God's law. No one here has kept God's will in their life. And no one has ever kept God's good word of the law since the fall of man into sin. Jesus is teaching them 
that what they were taught since their youth is not to be dismissed. That there is no hedge that can be built around God's law to insulate them from his judgments. That there is no hedge that can be built around God's law so that man can say that he has been faithful. There is no loophole that excludes any one of us from even one commandment because it doesn't sound like something that we've done. We have all broken the commandments of God and no one is able to say that any one of them they have kept. The people would have known that what was being taught to them, uh, excuse me, the people would have known what was the teaching on many matters of holy living. Or if they were unfamiliar, Jesus in our gospel seemingly brings them up to speed. But as quickly as uh, he rattles off the familiar teaching, he is in the same breath making more severe even the judgment that comes from breaking any one of the commandments of God. So we find that Jesus here isn't softening the blow from what the people would have heard taught in the olden days. He's actually doubling down. He's bringing to light how much we are, in fact, slaves to the darkness, to our own sinful and prideful ways. He's sketching out our lives in the shades of our darkest moments, putting into focus why we feel hollow or lost, anxious or lacking a confidence in who we are. He's narrowing in on what we try to hide by uncovering and laying to bear our deepest feelings, our most morbid fantasies, and gut-wrenching secrets. He knows them all because he knows all of you. In his pre-war book, Life Together, the Lutheran theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer gathers his reflections on who a Christian is in unity before God and neighbor. He writes in the advent of the Nazi party that will ultimately arise to shut down his seminary, imprison him, and finally execute him. So his words are not written with the kind of fluff expected by modern theologians who talk about Christian community in spiritless ways. Rather, he writes, Christians are persons who no longer seek their salvation, their deliverance, their justification in themselves, but in Jesus Christ alone. They know that God's word in Jesus Christ pronounces them guilty, even when they feel nothing of their own guilt, and that God's word in Jesus Christ pronounces them free and righteous, even when they feel nothing of their own righteousness. Christians no longer live by their own resources, by accusing themselves and justifying themselves, but by God's accusation and God's justification. They live entirely by God's word pronounced on them. What Bonhoeffer describes is what Jesus has preached in our text today concerning the accusations which the law brings upon us for failing to live according to God's ways. And it sets us up to the necessity of the gospel which pronounces you and I free and righteous, justified purely by God's grace in Christ Jesus alone, who went to the cross for you and was raised from the dead to make you also alive. Jesus, in the text today, is the only one 
who can go with us through the accusation of the law and justify us on the other side of sin. Not justifying our sins, but makes a way for us to be repentant people, spiritual people, despite our best efforts to run into hell's eternal condemnation. We have before us today the inescapable pitfalls of anger, adultery, divorce, and false witness. These all accuse all of us because by all of them we have failed in some way. But from each of these deserved accusations, God also provides our escape into freedom by the righteousness of his Son united to us. We are made righteous and pronounced free in Christ. And being free in Christ, we are united to the way of Christ. So from anger, the repentant Christian reconciles to his neighbor before God. And from lust and divorce, the repentant Christian loses what he desires and cuts himself off from what harms his spouse's future his spouse's spiritual welfare. From false witness or living as a false witness, the repentant Christian swears himself only to the yes and to the no of Jesus' word. As it pertains to the experiences in our life, the experience we should always strive to live as spiritual people, attempting to avoid God's accusation for our sinful failures and reconciliation, abstinence, and the promises we make. For reconciliation is Christ-like. Abstinence from lust is a love invested in a future spouse. And true promises reflect the oaths God swore and kept to you, his people. But greater than what pertains to experience and our failures in that experience. And what we should strive for as Christians is the faith that unites us together in Christ. Not that we should pit our Christian experience, our responsibilities to God and to one another against faith in Christ, but that we should confess that Jesus Christ has the final say about us, not our experiences. That is what it means to live by faith. A close reading of Jesus from our text today coincides with what Bonhoeffer in another place concludes from our life together in Christ. Again, a quote from Bonhoeffer today. He states that the Christian holds fast in faith to God's greatest gift, that God has acted for us all and wants to act for us all. That makes us joyful and happy, but it also makes us ready to forego all such experiences if at times God does not grant them. Or I might also add that we do not live up to the Christian experience that God desires for us in relationship to him or our neighbor. We are, as Bonhoeffer rightly concludes, bound together by faith, not experience. We have access to one another, joy in one another, community with one another through Christ alone. In Romans 5.1, true grace is declared to you. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God comes through the one who is crucified by all of our sin, of anger, lust, of divorce, of false witness, and every other kind of sin which we are rightly accused of. 
in the blood of Jesus shed for all of your sins, all of my sins, comes his righteousness promised to you in the gift of faith united to you. By his word to you, by his baptizing of you, by his feeding you of his own true body and true blood. This faith which unites us to Christ, unites us also to the Christian church together. Or to say it another way, we live together as we already live by faith in Christ. That is, you are from faith, forgiven and free of sin's condemnation through Christ alone. Amen.